It's Tia. It's been a Mississippi minute, but we bite, baby. What's up, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Ja. And yep, we back at it like a crack at it. It's your girl, Jiggy, a.k.a. Tanika. Listen, pull up on us. It's time to cut up, because we back. What's up, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Koji. And we're back. Pink Sunday. Well, hey, 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 Pink Posse. This is Tia, and I'm here with two of my other three co-hosts. So, Tanika, are you here? I'm here. Hey, y'all. And Ja, are you here? I'm here. What's up, Pink Posse? And I'm here because I already said I'm here. Um, (laughs) Anywho, we are going to talk today about... 107 Last Call for Alcohol, which was our re-re-rewatch episode last night. There is only three of us today. Koji will be with us next week. Uh, Getting into uh, the particulars of the episode, uh, this episode was written by Patrick Ian Polk, which we all love uh, his stories, particularly that star scene. And it was directed by Sydney Freeland with music supervisors Katori Hall, Stephanie Diaz Matos, and Sarah Bromberg. So we are going to go ahead and get started. Um, let's see, where do we want to start, ladies? Are we starting at the protest with my good sis and her braid? What are we thinking about that scene? Uh, was that the first scene that we saw? I think, can we start with. Um... My good sis, uh, Haley, doing the absolute least in this uh, little dance that she got from Montavia. Okay, we can Wasn't start that, with that one. Was that the first <laughs> thing that we saw? <laughs> it just, oh, then it we just, did see the flashback. I, You know, yeah. me, my next, where my eye went. Sorry about that. See, I'm already failing already. Um, okay, yeah, so let's start with the flashback scene. Go ahead, Tanika. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't have a lot for it. It just... I know she always does the bare minimum when she's in the in the pink doing her little lap dances, but you know she, she's used to doing the bare minimum because she wasn't doing much here either. So that that was really the only thing that stood out to me in this. But also, um, I think I mentioned last night on the the timeline when we were doing the rewatch. I'm still not really clear on the timeline of this relationship between Haley and Montavious because I, I don't know why I feel like they were together for like years, but the baby is so young and, and we're clear that that's not his child. I don't know why I'm unsure of that. Is that just me? Is that not his baby? I'm under the understanding that that's not his child. And, but which is weird to me too, because the child seems kind of grown. Like, before this episode when Haley talked about Autumn, I always assumed that it was a baby, that she was a baby. So in this flashback scene, it's like a whole toddler. So I always thought that was kind of strange. So you thought Autumn was, was younger than she presented here. To me, I thought... I thought she... I don't, I don't know what I thought. She should be older... I don't know. It just seems like she was of an age that she would be his baby. I guess they are only together for 
for months and not the years that I assumed they was, and I'm not sure why I assumed that they were together for years. I don't know if she, at some point in season two, when she talked about this relationship, she told us how long they were together, but I just assumed it was years. I don't know. That was just my confusion. I don't know if either one of y'all had anything else about that scene. I think, um, I know in this flashback, she looks to be a small child, and this is seems to be a, a flashback of when things were good between them. She's dancing for him. They're having um, a personal moment, you know, after, she, you know, she thought the baby was down for bed. But like you said, when we see pictures of her and her daughter um, later on in episodes, like the flashback she has um, when she's at the soap down, she or um, pictures when she's looking at her on the phone. She does seem to be an older child. So I imagine they've been together for years. At a point it was good, and then it, um, you know, went to hell in a handbasket. I definitely thought Montavious did not seem to be entertained in the least um, by her little dance, and maybe that's why he sent her to get some classes over there at the, <laughs> <laughs> the pole palace, because, I mean, he was doing a little thing, but he did not look like he was, you know, all that interested, and I do feel like, um, I don't think it was supposed to be a child, because in the story that she tells um, Sip in season two, it seems like she came into that relationship with the baby, but it looks like he took her as her as her own, and he actually cares for that child because Haley ass wasn't in no rush to go get the crying baby. She was still trying to do her little one-two step, and <laughs> my baby was like, uh. <laughs> he was like, uh, don't you hear this baby crying? So, yeah. And uh, I would say this. We didn't get into it, but all the views stated here are our personal opinions, and they're not necessarily represented oh, yeah. by anybody else from the I was the coming show. back, but I was so. going to finish this one and come back. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> no, because we already telling people our like, opinions, so I just wanted to. Anybody who doesn't, you know, we just throwing out opinions. We are not saying this is, you know, unless we say, hey, we read this, that this is what was said. All right, cool. Let's move forward. <laughs> you can also throw in about the phone calls, too, since we're here. We can just go ahead and throw oh. that in, too. <laughs> I would go, wait, okay. So, real quick, y'all know how we do this. So when it's time and we say, hey, look, call in, Um, we want you to call in, right? We want you to get all your points out, but we want you to be um, concise. You know, we want you to make your point briefly. You know what I'm saying? You may be disconnected if we feel like, you know, both parties feel like the the point was made. However, if you want to call back on another topic, we definitely encourage you to call back, okay? You can call in as many times as you want. and I think that's the general synopsis because I'm not even on that page anymore. <laughs> I slide the sword out there. So remember it's that for the time to call. <laughs> I think we got the gist across. 
So my thing with this scene, so I have a question. Does anyone think it might be possible that Haley's child is still alive somewhere? Like the way that she tells the story is she slipped. So is it possible that the, that Autumn could have floated down and maybe somebody found her and took her in? I think they a I couple think. of people talk about that on the timeline a lot. I think it's very possible. But then, like, how would what what would the point of that in the storyline be? Because how would they ever be reunited? Because Haley doesn't use her real name, so even if they found the child, like that would I, I don't see a way for it to tie into the story. I don't see a way for it to tie into the story that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, this TV, so right. <laughs> they can make anything happen in TV where the child, someone found the child, the child was adopted, that person some way or another moves to Chuckalisa and somehow or another, like if they recast the character, because we talked about that before, with the character Haley being gone, I agree. There's probably no way to tie it in because why would it even matter if it's if we have the long lost child of a character that doesn't exist? Now, if they recast the character or somebody close to the character, like maybe she has, because from what we know, she's in foster care all her life. But we don't know that whoever her parents were, that she was the only child born to those parents. So let's say there's a long-lost sister out there, and then there's maybe some, what do I want to say, some traits the child has of their family or something like that. But that's so far away from where we are. So I don't think that it's plausible, but I do think, I wonder, it's just so weird. The way she says the story is very open-ended. Autumn could be alive. We're just assuming that Autumn's dead. Yeah, I think I remember... um... Tanzania on Twitter having a whole like thing about maybe Andre and Brittany somehow adopting a baby and it ends up somehow turning out being Autumn and that brings Haley back into the story in some kind of convoluted way I don't know but the theory that that Autumn is not dead is definitely something that floats around the pink posse Okay, so let's get into the protest now okay. <laughs> in order of the outline. So what, first and foremost, what did we think of my good sister's look? I know what I think about it, and there were some things revealed on the timeline last night about it that I never peeped. But what did y'all think about the look? Um, for me, I don't, I don't mind the fit. That that red braid, anytime we got a braid hanging down the back, it, it throws me off. So I wasn't with the braid. I know Nico had a lot that he had to say about the braid and what it was and what the inspiration was. But it wasn't it for me, but I had no problem with the fit. And I do like the, you know, some of the things that we figured out, the throwback to Noah's Ark from Patrick Ian Polk um, is something that Noah – I think it's the same skirt or pretty close to the same skirt that, that Noah wore in season two. So I like that. I didn't realize that until last night. I don't know how Ja felt about it. Um, 
yeah, I didn't have an issue with the outfit. The only thing that threw me off as well was the braid. And I did read what Nico said about it, but I don't want to mess it up. So um, (laughs) I just know that it was speaking to, I think, something about the divide in the Delta and, you know, a lot of other stuff. But like I said, I don't want to misquote. Um, I don't think I held on to that bookmark with what he said either, so I can't read it. Nope. I didn't keep it. I don't know, Tia, Tia, do you remember what he said about it? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm trying to find the bookmark because it was about when he explained it, it actually made sense. Um, But because I I didn't realize even until last night that the braid was like, actually like braided you know in the other braid scene it's like hanging on by hope goals and dreams but in this scene it was actually like braided yeah, it comes kind down of, from the top mm-hmm. it, yeah and it does actually split her hair and that's supposed to be like the southern divide i'm trying to find it now and I can't find it. I, we can come back to that later on. Um, I, I actually really like this look on her. Like, I don't know. It's, nothing is ever regular. <laughs> like, you're expecting, you know, a protest outfit. But, it, of course, Uncle Clifford's going to give a protest outfit. Like, it's not mm-hmm. just I'm getting dressed to go to the protest. I'm going to have a whole look. I thought it was interesting, though, and maybe this is a whole different side of Chuckalisa, but Uncle Clifford is always Uncle Clifford wherever she goes. She's always, like, anybody in this town, because it's a small town from what we're seeing, should know her. The reactions to the people when she was walking through the crowd, I actually thought was really, really strange, considering this is, she's Uncle Clifford all the time. She's never not this person the shock and that kind of stuff, and even Patrice's shock, I thought was kind of weird. I don't know what y'all thought about that. Um, I didn't think Patrice's shock was weird. I I felt like that was Patrice doing what Patrice does to try to antagonize Uncle Clifford. Um, I think I got the the tweet from Nico. Um, but what was I saying? Um, the 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 crowd to me were like. Patrice's church folks, and that was more the reaction, like the Bible thumper reaction to just Uncle Clifford in general, and then also the over top, over the top outfit she had on. So I, these are not people that I would think would really come into much contact with with Uncle Clifford. So that was what the reaction was. What do you think, Jeff? Um, I agree with Tanika. Um, I have the. I think this is the the tweet from Nico that we were talking about. It says the braid was homage to the Bible Belt line, and the barrette has pins representing all the bordering states. Um, Black Lives Matter and heritage and pride of Black and LGBTQ. LGBTQ um, rocking the African medallion. Uncle Clifford is covered in the blood of Jesus head to toe. I think that's the tweet that y'all wanted, but he mentions the outfit and a couple of other 
uh, tweets also. But that was the gist of it. Okay, so we go from the protest and we get to um, Wayne and Wyatt and the switch to leasing and that whole scene. What did you guys think about this scene with the God Daddy and Andre <laughs> and, you know, the Chuck Lisa Stranglers in the office? Before we get to that, I'm sorry. I just, one more thing about the protest. I once again bring up the fact that Uncle Clifford does not play with Patrice. Uncle Clifford puts Patrice in her place very quickly the minute that she gets disrespectful. And I just wonder what she would have done if that had been Tidal, because we know she doesn't do that with him, and how she would would have reacted if, if Tidal looked at her and was like, what the hell, when she walked up. She would not have said any of this to him the way she did with, with – um, with Patrice. I don't know if y'all feel the same or if y'all Last night is that. the first time, like, I've always, of course, seen how this interaction in the scene, but every time that I see it now, I think about when you say that the, the way that she, not cowers, I don't know if I want to say cowers, but almost becomes childlike when she's around, you know, her daddy, mm-hmm. um, Tidell. And I did notice, like, she don't back down at all with Patrice, and it's it's not even just hostile, but it's just very, like, puts her in a place where I don't think Patrice gets that a lot, you know, like, in in her inner circles. Of course, you know, Mayor, Pastor Gilfield, you know, checked her and stuff like that, but I you can kind of see the, the, the reaction even from Patrice with Uncle Clifford is just, like, totally in her face no matter what, whereas, you know, on the flip side, you see Mercedes, for the most part, up until this point, pretty much kind of cowered. But I did, I do notice that she don't take shit from, she barely take it from murder, and that's only because of their relationship. <laughs> but when it's this kind of, like, meek kind of presence that she always gets around Fidel. And, Ja, I think when we were talking about, um, when I first mentioned this, I couldn't remember what you said, the relationship between uh, Uncle Clifford and um, Tidell was. I think you said it was she reacted to him as a peer. And to me, she she treats Patrice much more like a peer. Much more. I mean, they have an antagonistic relationship, but it's much more, um, more peer-like than what she does with Tidell. She definitely treats him like an authority figure over her, and she doesn't do that with um, Patrice at all. Yeah, I can see your point. Okay. So what was next, uh, Tia? So in the office scene, the first part, so I have part some stuff about the last part of the office scene, but this first part of the office scene where um, – they're finding out about the lease, the change to the lease. So I, I'm i trying to figure out why everything is done separately. Like, they're in the office here now, but not with Corbin. But then they I, – I was thinking it would be to protect Corbin, but then they went up and beat his ass anyway. So I thought this part was interesting. But the biggest part about the office scene to me – so as much as we hate – 
Tidell or even the actor himself. I feel mm-hmm. like points were made by Tidell in this scene. Absolutely. Like after they left, and I was mm-hmm. just like, because you know, I like, I understand where Andre's coming from, but it's very much like you don't understand. Like, yes, I get you want to. I get how someone like Andre doesn't like um, the the white boys, quote-unquote, getting over on the black business owners and the citizens of Chuckalisa, but, like, Tadell right. Like, you in this type of Southern culture, in order for Tadell to get anything done, he's got to give a whole lot to get a little bit, and all the stuff that Andre is doing, while it's going to help, Corbin and may help some of the other black business owners. Somebody got to pay for this. Yeah, I feel like first of all, Andre was was feeling himself a little bit since he, you know, used this opportunity to get over on the Kyles, and he felt like it was an opportunity to to get off his chest some of the some of the the, the things that he didn't agree with with Tidell on, but. Um, and he felt like, I feel like he thinks the things that Tydell does is simply for appearances. Like, he really has a problem with the Tydell Ruffin part, and he doesn't um, really understand what Tydell does for the community. And I, don't, I think at this point, neither do we. We don't see it until he starts explaining it here. Um, and that's kind of because... Tidell has made it that way. Like, everything Andre has, he has because Tidell worked and was able to, you know, send him out of this community and send him off to college. And um, I don't know. Andre, I, I hate agreeing with Tidell because I don't, I don't want to say I, I don't like the character because it's a good character. It's more the actor. But he was not at all, to me, wrong in much of anything that he said here. I don't know if you agree or you opinion. Um, I don't think Tidell was wrong in the situation. My thing I'm trying to figure out is where is the communication in this in this family? Um, definitely feel like Andre took a business situation and decided to get his revenge based off of a personal vendetta. So. Mm-hmm. You know, up until this moment, you know, which is why I kind of had that hard time seeing the point that Andre just wants to save everybody. Andre was perfectly fine with doing his job as his job was stated until they personally did something to him. And I'm trying to figure out why doesn't Andre tell – there was no point between this meeting and the meeting with the Kyle brothers that Andre is like, I was over to their house to get the deed signed, and these motherfuckers pulled a gun on me. And then I said, you know, like they could have discussed that and said, how do we move forward? And you know what I'm saying? And so to Tidell, it just looks like Andre's, you know, just willy-nilly when he feels like, okay, where it seems more like a revenge situation. Like, y'all didn't have that discussion? Because I would have definitely been the first person I called. Yeah, I agree, but I also think I don't think Tidell would have have cared that much. Uh, he may have cared, but he would not have 
agree to Andre changing the deal that he already had in place. So I, I, I think Andre knew that, and that's why he didn't tell him. But I agree. I would have told yeah, that's that. A, that would have been the first person I went to also. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because I totally agree with John. Like, because I thought that during this episode too, like, this is the perfect time to say, hey, the reason why I changed, well, even before we got here, well, let me tell you what these motherfuckers did and then have the conversation and then go from there. But then I agree with Tanika too, like, they, I don't. I was gonna ask y'all if y'all thought that Tydell would have been different or done anything different if he knew. And based on this actual interaction in the office, I personally don't think so, because he's so into his legacy and being, you know, as the first black mayor of Chuckalisa, being the one that single-handedly made it rain down on Chuckalisa and all that. I think he would have just kind of shirked it off and been like, like toughen up, Buttercup. Like, sorry that happened to you, but did you close the deal or not? Like, I pretty much feel that's pretty much where he would have gone. So the same thing as Tanika, too. I actually really like the character, and it's terrible, like, because the actual actor himself is such an asshat, but he's such a good actor and plays this character extremely well. So I hate it because when I get to his actual um scenes i'd be wanting to post about him but i know like we don't like him <laughs> so i know it's not going to get the engagement because his scenes and his act everything is always like top notch he's just you know such a fucking asshat so my good sis is going let me see so my good sis is driving listening to her song um, that I wish had gotten very, very, very much more time in pretty much this season, but, like, I, I want to hear mine a whole lot more because, you know, it's low-key bop. So she pulls up, and uh, Corbin's got that little blue-green eye peeking out of that whatever she had going on. Um, so I'll say, first. my first question is, in this interaction, do you see best friends? Because as I've said, I don't see best friends. I see people that have known each other for a long time, but I don't see best friends. And in some of the throwback tweets that Tanika did last night, we saw, like, they, like in Katori's tweets, it was like, these best friends. And I'm like, I ain't seeing no best friends. What Do y'all see best friends in this interaction? Uh, I don't know. I see, like, history, right? I don't know. I, I, I guess that's my frustration in this scene and with Corbin in general um, because he doesn't do the things that I feel like he should do with best friends. But I, I don't know if they give me best friends here. I don't, I don't – I'm not sure how to – describe it like because I think the story makes a point to tell us you know Uncle Clifford tells that story about how the Kyles fought or whatever so she knows the history it's obvious that they have a history together but I don't know if I would say they give best friends here but it's obvious that the first place that Corbin runs to when he's in need of something is right to Uncle Clifford so I guess that kind of gives best friends 
Yeah, I guess I felt like it definitely gives that they're close, you know, because, you know, Corbin is literally there waiting and Uncle Clifford, she doesn't come and just listen to whatever it is he has to say. You know, she came and she's tending to his wounds and she's taking Mm -hmm. care of him and he's allowing that. Like as soon as she sat down, he put his hands out. He knows she's going to take care of him. In this moment, this isn't the first time, like she says in her story, she says, you know, y'all do, you know, almost as bad as that other fight y'all got into over the three-titty girl. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all need to get your water checked. Y'all got a lot more going on in Chuck Lisa, uh than we thought, you know. But clearly when those spats happen, Uncle Clifford has been um, – that person to console him. So he, even though they wind up having not the most pleasant conversation by the end, it's clear they're they're close enough, you know, for that much. So Uncle Clifford has seen all of the plans of the national parks that Tanika has pointed out to us and where everything is. She knows the rules of gaming and Chuckalisa. They In this scene, they talk a lot about her being, like, surprised that her, like, they were going to build over the pink to do this. Do, do you think it's weird that she was surprised given how much she's actually looked at the plans and how much she knows about the rules of building a casino in Chuckalisa? I never really thought about that because I, I mean, I, I just started looking close at the, the plans myself. So maybe she didn't look that close at it, but I mean, she should know it has to be on the waterfront and she has the only waterfront property that's available. So then that brings the question of, yeah, how, what did she think they were going to do? Or maybe she thought because, I mean, the pink is not that big, and they have a lot of of land, right? I, I think we had this conversation before. It's a whole lot of land that we have. It's six acres. From what I remember, it's six acres, which is another problem I have, because why is only the pink on there? Why haven't y'all built nothing else on the rest of these six acres? So, yeah, maybe Maybe they just thought, haven't had the money to. Yeah, that's definitely it. But maybe she thought they were just going to to build up that, you know, pay for the, the other acres of land and the pink could be right next to it. So that makes me think, why does the pink have to be torn down? I I don't know. The, the whole land and thing. where it goes confuses me. Because I don't, yeah, because in my mind, I don't, was it Jai? I don't know if it was somebody on the timeline that said, I don't understand why they don't just make the pink a part of the casino. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, like, connected or some kind of way, because that is a whole lot of land. I don't know. I, I don't have, like, in my mind, like, blueprints of how big a casino would be. <laughs> so, I, in my mind, I would think six acres is enough. <laughs> but I don't know, you know, if they build up or out or whatever in Chuckalisa, but... Yeah, I think that, and that brings me to this other six acres. That's something I would like to see. I don't think Uncle Clifford will 
be able to sustain when this casino comes. I don't think she'll be able to sustain with just the pink. So I'm hoping this next season, like we say, we want a friend for Murda, like somebody in the community that he can talk to about his relationship with Unc and what's happening there. I, in addition to wanting to see like a manager for the pink or like uh, someone help with the finances, I want somebody to come in that can help Uncle Clifford like capitalize on this land, especially with all the business that's going to come. Because it don't make no sense that six acres we haven't done anything, and I do think money is part of it, but I just think it's also, like we talked about before, how narrowly Uncle Clifford sometimes thinks because everything is the pink. I graduate um, hose from the pink, all that. It's There's not a whole lot of thought of anything outside of the pink to the point where she's all, she's willing to put all her favors in to save it because she really has no idea what to do if she's not in charge of the pink. Yeah, I agree with that. As far as um, the the six acres, I think Eloise last week when she was talking to Cliff, she said they were building, didn't she say an outlet and something that was like Casey's plantation or something? So that was all probably going to go on those six acres. And when you have a casino, you usually have a hotel attached to it. So that's probably what they were going to do with all that land. Yeah, because from what I got from what Eloise said is that the casino itself would have been on the pink, and then they all the other stuff they were tearing down, like the barbershop, uh, the cow property and stuff like that, is where they were going to build this other housing. And I think she said an amusement park or something like that. It was a whole lot they were planning on doing mm-hmm. on the back of this casino. So I could see why the cow brothers and such were pretty upset about it and while we are talking about our good sis um we did all the voting for the naacp image awards and i want to thank y'all for your support in that campaign and that's actually airing uh february 25th so i'm sure we'll have a watch party or something but both uh nico and p valley are up for courtsy awards so let's take a minute and hear about those hey pink posse the Queer Tees are here, celebrating and honoring the year's best in LGBTQ plus media and culture. P-Valley is nominated in the TV drama category, and Nico Anand is nominated for Performance TV. I know you want our face to receive all of their flowers, so go to QueerTea.com to vote, or just tap the link tree in our bio. Voting ends February 21st, winners will be announced via a live event on February 28th, 2023. This is a daily vote, so let's run it up every day. Congratulations, P-Valley and Nico Anand, on your Queer Tea nominations. Did y'all hear that new voice? Our new great radio voice co-host, Ja, and her Queer Tea drop, but, or Queer Teas, I don't know how to say it, or if I'm saying it right, that's what I'm saying, but... Go ahead, vote for them, P-Valley and Nico. We have the link in our link tree, and, of course, we're going to be posting about it. So you got two more days to vote. Get those votes in because we want to see our faves get all the awards. So let's go on to Murda and this barbecue. What do we think about Murda's practice session? <laughs> um, <Mississippi> pride. <laughs> so... 
I blame Wody. Now, I don't blame Wody for much, but I blame Wody for this. How long has Wody been his manager? Why does Wody not know that he has stage fright? Why is this the first stage that he's been on? Ain't no talent shows in Chuckalisa. Why is he not down to the the mall food court uh, uh, performing? I know they used to let you, you know, when they had, like, bookstores, they, they had borders, like, on the, on the weekends. You could bring your little band and perform where the coffee shop is. Why is he not performing? I don't get this. Like, Wode, I, everything here I blame on Wody. And Wody's standing over there looking surprised, shrugging his shoulders and not knowing what's going on. He needs to get it together. I mean, I very much think that this might just be the begin. Like, we're definitely seeing the very beginning of Lil Murda trying to turn, you know, his personal interest into a professional situation. So this just might be his very first opportunity. So like you said, they don't know that because prior to, I don't know what the timeline is of them working together because Murda doesn't even know what type of manager Wody is, and Wody doesn't know anything about being a manager. So um, maybe they're really just now making these milestones and just never had this previous opportunity. Um, But I'm definitely glad that somebody had the idea to have a practice round before the show because it would have been a hot-ass mess (laughs) had they just jumped straight to Murda night they wouldn't have murdered a damn thing. Uh would have been a crime and a shame. Once he got on that stage, he had his fresh blue hair and everything and was, I don't, because he was, like, reading. Like, how do you read your own? He didn't even know the words to like, the song. Yeah, I was like, wait, what's happening? And then when Buddy was like, it's in four hours, in four hours? This man don't even know the words to his song. What you what you mean in four hours? Like that's they talking about how he sound. I'm like, is he reading? What's <laughs> going on right now? And so here's my thing, and I think Ja kind of hit it on. So I was kind of taken aback later on in season two when Peek said like circa two seven two twenty seventeen that like murder was in prison as recently as twenty seventeen. That kind of threw me off because this season is twenty nineteen, and I, we don't know like when in twenty seventeen he got out. But I agree with Jive. Like this is probably pretty early. I have a lot of questions. How did? So, because I don't know what Murder did before he went in, but obviously whatever happened, he came out wanting to be a trapper rapper, be famous, get out Chuck Lisa and stuff like that. I want to know how Wody even became his manager because Wody works at a funeral home. Like, were they, like, at home and he was, like, rapping one day and Wody was like, I'm going to manage you. And Murder was like, yeah. And that's how it happened because – all of that to me seems weird because Wody don't even low-key, high-key seem all that interested in music. Like, he doesn't play any music. You don't really see him doing anything. You don't – he's not, like, around people in music. So that – I think part of it is this is all kind of – although this is Murder's Dream, he's only been out for maybe a year, year and a half tops, maybe two years tops. He's just now kind of probably figuring out the outside 
as an adult as well as what to do with the music career, I want to know where they recorded before now because, you know, the Quan, DJ Nemscared, has, for as much as they talk shit about it, he does have a little studio situation set up in his mama basement. So he's actually, like, got that, but where did where was shit on my last recorded? Like, we ain't seen no other studio situation, no other nothing that Wody has taken him to. All we've ever seen like that is Daquan's house. So I think it's just it's also new, and I think this is something we talked about in the bonus episode of one of um, Murda's flaws is the loyalty because whatever relationship they've had up to this point there's obviously some loyalty there some brotherhood built and so it's like if murder's thinking he's getting out of chuckalisa he's gonna make it all that then he's probably thinking okay how do i take my boy along with me okay he can be my manager and because of the loyalty murder's not even recognizing like well he ain't doing shit for him I don't know. That's what I think. It's just the loyalty thing. I never, I never thought about it like that. I, I really don't. And I think we'll get into it in a bonus episode probably later. I really don't have many issues with Wody as a manager because I think at this point in Murder's career, um, he's doing what he needs to do, and I didn't look at Wody. Um, as a manager and compare him to what Rome did for Keyshawn. And I just think it's, it's so different. Like at this point, murder is not even a SoundCloud rapper. He He's like, I don't even know what to describe him <laughs> as. <laughs> and to be where he is at this point in his career, I think Wody is the right person and Wody's doing what he needs to do except for getting him on stage and know, knowing that he has stage fright and, and doing what he can to, to get him over this. For the other stuff, I have I have no issue with Wody, but we'll talk about that. I mean, he did even so, have a Rome, so he knows something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so then I, I just I look at... Say, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I think about how fast, like, they pulled together that, that Dirty Dozen tour. Like, he has some connections, and I know yes. Rome probably helped with that, but he, he does what he can and what he needs to for murder. Well, that's where, um, if, I don't know, like, a lot of people don't totally know, like, Will Smith's story if you read his book, but, like, his current manager was, like, some dude that was friends with DJ Jazzy Jeff and just they were like kind of like this they kind of like were dj jesse jeff and will smith fresh friends were making music and it was like okay you'll be my manager and in the beginning i'm sure it was some bullshit because he he was like in law school gonna go to law school but now he's been his manager his whole career and he's a big part of it but the reason why it works is because there's an incredible loyalty that the three of them have to each other because they started it and i think that's what we will see with murder and wody because Wody, for whatever he can do, he will figure it out, and he has incredible loyalty to murder. So mm-hmm. I, I think, while I don't necessarily think that Wody's done a great job, I I don't know that I would want to see anybody else in that position for murder. Yeah, I agree. So, um, 
Go ahead. Go ahead now. Go ahead. So, <laughs> I, I, I want to touch this because it's not that big of a deal. Do, do y'all, somebody said this on Timeline last night, and it, I never thought of it like this. I never thought anything about it. Do y'all think it's weird that Murder was willing to get butt booty naked in front of Keyshawn and she was okay with it? Somebody mentioned on Timeline last night, I never thought about it like that. I actually think that was that was Chunky Light that said that on the timeline um, last night, and she said it again in the uh, the chat. Um, I don't. It, it's kind of weird. It, it is. I, I don't think it was weird that she suggested it, but that he was so quickly willing to get naked. Did he ask any questions? Uh, he just stripped off his clothes. I don't know. I think, I think um, she has proven that he can trust her, and I think that's why he did it. So I don't. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how to describe it. It is weird, and the, and the fact that Unc still doesn't know is is funny to me. I don't know how Ja feels about it, but. I mean, I think it's weird for us because this isn't our profession, so to say, but for a person who strips, you know, I think it takes incredible courage to get butt naked or close to butt naked in front of hundreds of strangers every night, right? But like she said in her explanation, every night, you know, she this is what she does. Even in spite of what we've seen from her is sometimes some – um, I want to say the word is trepidation, but like, you know, some insecurities, she still does this. And so it's like, hey, if you can get naked physically and expose your physical body, you can bear your soul. And it's just me and you in this room, you know, she takes him where it's just those two. And maybe because that is her profession, it's what gave him that courage. But also men don't care about nothing. Men... How many unsolicited dick pics have we gotten from men who was not showing shit, like, or was not, you know, it wasn't nothing where we mm-hmm. was like, ooh, let me look at this. Men are out here showing their business to anybody who is willing to look on a regular basis. <laughs> they are not concerned if they got a love handle, gunshot wounds, or none of that shit. So actually speaking from a man's perspective, I don't think it's weird that he was just like YOLO. Now, if Wody and and DJ Never Scared was in the room, (laughs) (laughs) that might have been like, you know, you ain't got no, oh, okay, but we know the background. But I really think in this situation, Keyshawn is a woman. Men are always showing their business to whoever will look at it. Um, I never it. thought nothing about it. I don't know if I'm just a weird ass. I never thought it, I never thought anything was off about the scene. So when I saw it last night, I was like, I suppose it is a little, a little interesting. <laughs> Go ahead, Tanika. Oh, I was saying, uh, Kendra Wilding out in the chat. She said she was looking forward to seeing his hang time in the in the scene, and I I want to know <laughs> the. Like trade secrets, like what kind of what he had on? Because when he was spread eagle, wasn't nothing hanging. So like, is there some special kind of something that they have in the movie making business to 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 keep that all together? I feel like maybe he was taped. 
Because uh, okay. that's the only thing that I can think of. And I don't know, when he, it's a, such a quick part of the scene, but when you go back and watch it, when he actually does the, like, bend down, you can see um, Shannon almost low-key, high-key break character. Like, she, like, looks and has this little look. When we get off the, the radio show, I want you all to go and look at I'm going to see if I can post it if I have time. But and she kind of like oh, <laughs> and like looks off to the side, and then like does her little bop that she's doing while he's doing it. But as soon as he like, I don't know if it kneels down. Is that what I'm thinking? Kneels down, bends down. But when he hits the flow, she's like oh, <laughs> she looks away, and it's like this little segment where she breaks character, and it just so I I'm not sure. That's why I think he was taped because I think she sees something that we don't see in this scene. And so it probably looked funny to her. However, whatever TV magic, because the other thing is he could have been hanging and they could have CGI'd it out. Either way, it was probably a lot. Uh, But I just, I never thought nothing about this scene. I'm like, oh, yeah, he getting naked because she said that's what you do when you want to get the stage right. I never even thought about the Chunky Light in here talking about she didn't know, they don't know each other three whole days. But shit, everything happens so fast in Chuckalisa. So three days, they like, they've been long, long, long life friends. Shit, if you can be in love after a couple of months. They halfway to being best friends friends. at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, they almost there. So. Anywho, so our good sis pulls up in her purple do-rag face beat with an a interesting little outfit, which I like this outfit. but I a love lot this of, I, I thought it's – stuff like this is so quintessentially Uncle Clifford. Like, because she's never going to wear just a tracksuit. I, I, is this a tracksuit? It's like a short set. Short set. Tracksuit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, but none of her tracksuits, they always be a little bit off the booty so she can show that good, good. She is always something a little different. So I didn't think that this was – because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want her to have worn heels with this. So I thought the Tims went with it. And the face was beat, but I don't know. Tanika, you liked it. Yeah, I think you said – I can't remember. Did you like this fit or not? Um. I like the fit, but I always thought the lime, the the neon green bike shorts under, like to me that threw it off because like you got the yellow fit where it's got like looks like purple and green flowers or something on it, the purple do rag. I'm like okay, right? Um, and then he like neon green leggings under it, and I'm just like, okay, I, I don't, I, this is not a personal choice I would have made, but also. You know, Aunt does her own thing. I feel like the Timberlands looked like she was ready to beat somebody's ass. And so maybe that was appropriate. You know, she didn't want to put on her black Air Forces because it wasn't that serious. But, you know, she got the stump a bitch out Tims on just in case she got to fuck a motherfucker up today. So I feel like I there's know. no world where my good sis has black forces anywhere in that closet. <laughs> it's possible. It's definitely possible with those uh, slippers that we've seen of hers. So I'm not going to put the black forces <laughs> past her. I just, I, I feel like even her stomp a bitch out shoes would be fabulous. 
Like, they'd be like some pink Cortezes or some shit like that. But I just can't see my good sis. But you never know because them slippers are not okay. So she talks to Sheriff Bailey, who has always been one of my favorites, and they have this conversation. Now, what did y'all think about this scene? I don't have a whole lot about this interaction between them. Um, Do you think that Sheriff Bailey was okay with giving her the, like, talking to her about the foreclosure and the titties and tequila and stuff like that. Do you think that he likes what Tydell is doing? No. So I, I, don't, I don't think he's ahead. comfortable. Go ahead, Tamika. No, go ahead, John. You want me to go? Uh, I don't think he's – yeah, you got it. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't even know what I was going to say. Um, I think – I think he likes Uncle Clifford, so he doesn't, and he doesn't want the pink to go anywhere. Plus, the pink gives him money, but I think he's doing his job also. But I, I don't think he agrees with with anything that that Tidal is doing, trying to to force the foreclosure on the pink. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, um, and I don't even think it's really about the money so much. Um, it seems like, he, like he's saying, I really do hate to see y'all go, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I feel like over time, like even if initially their agreement was based upon bribery, there's been over time some type of, you know, friendship and connection. And like we said, we always see that the people who really know and love and respect Uncle Clifford have probably always had a situation where Uncle Clifford came through for them, you know, which makes whatever she's doing you know, more personal, like, yeah, I work at the strip club and I have to pay, but you've been my mother figure, you've been in my corner, you've bailed me out of jail. Yeah, you know, um, we have this other situation, but there's still that level of respect. So even where here is maybe Uncle Clifford is paying, um, and I'm, this is something I'm pulling completely out of my ass, this is a theory that I just thought of right now, Maybe um, Sheriff Bailey has some things going on at home, and that extra money has come through in the clutch. And beyond it being the bribe situation financially, it's like, man, when I was down, you provided a solution, and that made me respect you. So, I, you know, I hate to see you go. It really seems personal versus business to me. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that the money, like – not I don't and again like but what you're saying makes sense to me I don't know if it's something going on at home but I'm pretty sure that Sheriff Bailey's livelihood has been greatly supplemented by um, Uncle Clifford's charity so I think that's definitely like what I'm going to do now because and I don't know if he's going to think about it but these white motherfuckers ain't going to give me no money because they in charge of everything they can do what they do without anybody anything to him because damn Wayne on the goddamn city council so I'm sure that there is some monetary but I do go back to something Josh said of Sheriff Bailey kind of being a protector of Uncle Clifford and so I think that there's some of that too like yeah financially I'm losing something but I don't want to see my I don't want to say friends because I don't know if I would say that they're friends but there's definitely a relationship there, but I don't think 
I think Sheriff Bailey thinks Uncle Clifford has been good to Chuckalisa, and the way that Tidell is treating her is wrong, and it's because it's personal and it's not based in anything that Uncle Clifford's actually personally done. So the way that Tidell is personally going after her, he doesn't like, and he doesn't totally know why because he doesn't know all the ins and outs of the casino. He's just the sheriff. He doesn't, none of that is, that's like above his pay grade at this point. So my good sis comes into the office, and she tells Big L he is the worstest security ever because Mercedes is sitting right. And then <laughs> it was a lot to me, though, when she said, I saw your blue-black ass on the television. <laughs> I was like, why blue-black Mercedes? And that was too much. But do you think Mercedes was overreacting here? Mm, I mean – she she did just get out of jail from beating her mama's ass, and her mama had just stole her money, so I can understand why she would be upset. So I don't I don't I wouldn't say she overreacted because I I probably would have reacted the same way. I think it's understandable that she reacted that way, but I I, I think Uncle Clifford did the right thing. I think she she actually had a, a good plan to to join forces. That was beating my ass. Join forces with Patrice. I think that was a good plan. So I, I understand why she did it, but nah, she didn't overreact. She didn't overreact at all to me. I don't know how y'all feel. I don't think she overreacted either for the same reason that Tamika said. Basically, all of our relationship, Patrice has been the ops. Patrice mm. has been fucking clean over me. This entire time she been this ain't the first the scene we see in the parking lot that ain't the first time obviously because Unc says hey did she pull that holy rolling bullshit again so you my girl you know I'm your bottom bitch like we we we're there for each other and you didn't call me and give me a heads up you didn't say hey look I got this plan you might not like it but I'm a, I think I'm a you know bail Patrice out and see if she can do X, Y, Z. And maybe Uncle really have the time for that, but I definitely feel like if my best friend or my play sister or whatever it is um, doesn't, you know, has this plan to do some kind of work with someone who's my ops and then doesn't tell me about it, I got to learn about it on the news somewhere, yeah, no, I'm going to be pissed. There's going to be some words. And I'm going to expect more of an explanation than what Uncle Clifford even gave her in that office. But also, this is a TV show. We ain't got time for all of that. So, <laughs> yep. I, don't think she I don't think she ever reacted either. Um, and she softened up, I think, once she understood why she did it. I, I think that, I, cause I think there was a minute there where it was, like what you said, y'all, like, why are you, like, teaming up with the ops? And then when Uncle Clifford kind of talked about it, she understood. She still didn't like it. She still didn't agree. But, you know, in my words, she shot Uncle Clifford a little bit of bail because it was like, all right, I still think you was dead-ass wrong, but I see how you got there. So, mm, so I that that was my opinion on that. So, so I have a thing in this next little scene. So when Haley walks in, am I getting from this scene that when Sheriff Bailey spots her, um, that 
he told Montavious that she was there? Is that how Montavious got to the pink? Or am I reading that incorrectly? I mean, that's how I see it. I feel like, you know, he came in the sheriff's office, you know, previously. So it's like, oh, I think I feel like Sheriff Bailey gave him a call and was like, hey, I've seen that girl. I think I've seen that girl, you know, that you were looking for over at the pink. You know, I mean, there's nothing that really definitely says that. But, I mean, I feel like since they did show Sheriff Bailey seeing her and then referring referring back to the image, that very much so. But I also find it weird that he wouldn't have turned around and, and said, hey, is this you? You know, uh, a guy came looking for you. Because if somebody said somebody was missing, presumed dead in a storm, and they just walking around living their best life in Chuckalisa, it would kind of trigger me to be like, why you ain't call your family? Why your husband don't know yeah. you're alive and well here? No, and the reason why I question this scene is because of him asking um, Keyshawn what was her name in um, in the next season. And I thought, I would think it was if he, because I read from this scene this time when I watched it that he's the one that told Montavious she was there. But then I'm like, if you did that, why are you still asking what her name is? Because I can't imagine you would. But now he doesn't know he's like diving her out or whatever. But I can't imagine you would do that and not like at any point make sure it was her. So that's the only reason why that stuck out to me, this scene. So <laughs> Sadie's and Haley, now this is, we don't know yet, but the end of this uh, Thelma and Louise friendship that we have been liking. So they're in there. Haley tries to give her an extra ten grand. She says, nope, this too much, gives it back, and says she got a plan for the rest. What y'all think about Sadie's in this moment? Um, I'm. I feel like I'm torn. Like I wanted her to have to take the money and just, you know, it's what you need to 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 walk away from the club if she's offering it. But like it's Haley, and I got trust issues with Haley. So and Haley don't do much out of the kindness of her heart. We know this. So to me, I look at it kind of like like Sadie's did, like, what is this for? Why are you giving it to me? And I can't really trust it. So I don't know that I would have taken the money either, not from Haley. That makes sense. Um, there's a part of me that feels like she should have took taken the money, um, simply just because they did start to build a bond and a friendship with each other, and it did appear to be genuine. Um, however, I do have a person in my life who um, I always have to question <laughs> when they offer me something. You know, i got to be like, yeah, okay, what's the catch and how am I going to pay for this emotionally or whatever later on? So I can definitely um, see that if that's, if that's the thinking that Mercedes is having, why she would have been like, uh-uh, I did 10K worth of work. This was the agreement. You're not going to give me any gifts because I'm not going to owe you nothing later on. Um, however, and I'm trying to make sure this is this scene 
Now I think that's a different episode, so I'm going to just leave it there. So I've always thought that this is, this was really, really dumb on Sadie's part because, like, I get the not wanting to be beholden to anybody and all the things, but, like, girl, this is your blessing. Like, your mama stole your 20000 mm-hmm. You basically had to ride around in the car, get dressed up in some wigs, and eat hot pickles and peppermint sticks, and you got the 20000 back. Like, you, it's like the looking a gift horse in the mouth kind of thing to me. It, I did 10k worth of work. Actually, no, you didn't. You did like 20 dollars worth of work, but she's giving you 10k, so might as well make it 20. Like outside of the actual fraud part, you didn't actually do anything that was worth 10,000 per se. So it's like, why not just take the 20, consider it a blessing, and just get the hell on? Because that's what you need. Because when I found out, like, the first watch, and I'm like, what's her other plan? And then when Coach came and she wanted to talk to him, and I was like, that's the plan is to mm-hmm. get it from Coach? And then when he was like, well, the most I ever gave was $300, I said, oh, this is a cheap regular. He ain't even give, gave up a stack of $300 as a regular. And then, like, I'm with Coach. She like, so am I going to get part of your gym for my investment? And she like, hell no. Nah. Why wouldn't you do, like, to me, that would have been the plan is, hey, I got an investment opportunity right. for you. And, like, 10000 you get a certain percentage, you know, shark tank it up. You get a certain percentage of my gym or stuff like that. But And that's the part with Mercedes in this that has always rubbed me the wrong way because that would have been a good plan here when uh, Haley told her, like, take my advice and get somebody else to help go in with you on the gym and get somebody else the reward. And it's like, I, that's, and this is like an aside, but it's something that I think in our culture, black culture, particularly because we're not steeped in business ownership and investing and stuff like that, that's how we see stuff. Like I give somebody else the risk and I'm giving them the reward. I don't want to do that, but that's how business is built. That's how businesses are played is that and you you progressively do that until you are in a position where you don't have to do that. But they could, she could have worked out something with Coach where she could have given him what would have been an okay percentage of the gym. And then if they had, she had done that and built that and he was an investor, he may have helped her with the business. He may have helped her, like, expand the business. And then in the next business, okay, he may have part of this first gym, but in the next gym he maybe has a little less. And then by the time you get to the third or the fourth gym, you have enough capital from these other gyms that you don't need an investor anymore. But now you're in a position where you basically got to – you don't want to give them part of the gym, so it's instead I'm going to basically sleep with you for the money. After we've seen her all season damn near ready to slit everybody's throat if they even insinuate that she could possibly be having sex for money. Well, mm-hmm. to me, this was, like, so dumb to me because – not just this part here, but every decision she's made in this little context of the gym and the money and everything else, all of this shit could have been avoided, like, that we saw in season two, because this, all of this could have been avoided with a few different decisions. And it's one of my kind of things with Mercedes is some of these decisions are just, uh, So... I don't have much on this. I don't know if you guys have much of it, but when they go to Tydell Ruffin Park and um, they done messed it up, they done 
put uh, devil horns on his face on the plaque and done everything else. Um, y'all have anything about this scene? I don't really have anything for this one. I don't have anything for this scene, no. I think we just see here where Andre kind of gets to finally see that his plan to hurt Wayne and Wyatt also spread hurt to you know, Tydell and, and the playground and whatever else. And I think this is, even though it's a quick scene, this is a moment where he gets to see that his actions was actually a double-edged sword. And, um, you know, Tydell is like, you know, after this, I'm done with you. Excuse me, because I feel like Tydell has maybe not always been doing the right things, but his actions towards Andre have always been one of caring for him, taking care of him, making sure that he's good and making sure that he can rise and have some standard in the world. And this really feels like a slap in the face. Not only have you gone back on the deal that I made that now has my mayorship in um, jeopardy, but, you know, now you have the town against us. This is probably not going to go through. Your attempt to get back at them has affected me. So I, I like how it was done. It was quick and to the point. Um, not too much said, but it physically, but a lot said um, visibly. Do you think that, do you feel that in this scene, I, I agree with what you said, that he, that this, that shows that the consequences go far beyond, okay, we got Corbin as lease and we saved the people or whatever. Do you think Andre is actually internalizing what you just said, like that he, what is happening here is going to have far-reaching effects on Chuckalisa and some of what his god daddy wants to do? I think so. Like are you saying, like is – is what you're saying is do you think this is the moment that he realizes his actions take a deeper Yeah, do you think that he's and, internalizing that? Like, he sees it, but do you think he's really, like, getting it? Like, oh, I fucked up. Um, hmm. Maybe, because he does stand there for a minute, and I think he realizes, too, he what he wants, like what he said he wanted for his city, this does. And maybe, like I said, again, maybe in the office, have you ever had a conversation where someone said something to you, right? And maybe in that moment you did not agree. But something takes place later or, you know, you've had time to think, and then you're like, oh, now I can see it. And so where I think, like I I think you said earlier, Andre um, didn't really know, and neither did we, what Tydell's true heart between some of his actions were. And we're thinking, oh, he just wants to showboat. He just wants to have the claim to fame. But deep down, he really does care about the citizens of Chuckalisa, and that's not visibly shown. So I think maybe after Andre had that, I mean, after Tydell had that talk, and then they go there, I do think that Andre gets a chance to see what his actions did to the people. But, I mean, I don't think we see anything in the show besides running for mayor in season two where he himself then figure, tries to figure out what he can do to make a difference or to right those wrongs. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. 
Um, so we get to the prayer, the, the drug dealers, the scammers, the money niggas, um, and then once again they talking about Gidget pretty ass legs, which I just don't see. Um, but anywho, <laughs> do you guys have anything on not just the prayer, but Mercedes, the combination, because I, I kind of go into these because we see Mercedes come out. She's going to do the last dance. Um, what do you all think about the prayer or anything surrounding the prayer? As a person who used to be in church, I, <laughs> when I first saw the prayer, I was like, I almost felt like I had to ask God to forgive me for listening to it. <laughs> I know that sounds so crazy <laughs> because it was just so out of left field, like, God, please bring all the money niggas. And I just, you know, I know everybody's personal relationship with God is their own. And it is good to, if you if you believe in God, you know. Um, your relationship with God is your own and how you talk to your creator, if you look at God as a father, if you look at God as your friend, whatever it is, um, if you believe. you, I do think it's important to personalize how you talk to your creator and ask for what you want. You know, so whereas in my world, I, I come from, you know, you know, our heavenly father, you know, all this, pomp and circumstance when you go to prayer, I do think it makes sense, though, that Ankh prays to her creator in the way that that's true to her spirit. So, look, we about to go out with a thing. I need you to bring all the money niggas, the scammer niggas. Bring, you know, bring everybody, the credit card fraud dudes, you know, and my bitches, you know, what? I guess that's how Uncle Clifford would talk to a person she has a personal relationship with. So it's perfect, but it just took me a minute to get out of what I'm used to prayer sounding like. But, um, yeah, it was hilarious to me. Yeah, I think it was it was appropriate, right? You got to be honest and ask for what you need. <laughs> that's what yeah. you did. We need, we need the drug dealers down here tonight, so that's what I'm going to ask for. To me, I love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was perfect. Like, I was the same, like, God was like, the money niggas, the what? What is going on? But if you look at it, like, who else is coming to the club in Chekalisa? <laughs> like, it's not, this isn't, like, in the middle of, like, Atlanta or Houston or someplace where you might have, like, the businessmen getting off of work or, like, coming out and stuff like that. It's, like, a lot of people that are probably, from what we're seeing, you do have the cows and stuff that are that, the businessmen, but I don't, I ain't never seen none of them at the pink. <laughs> so, and nope. they kind of, and, right. and they seem like they look down on the pink. So I wonder if they got themselves a little titty bar. Any, that's not here, no, that. Anywho. Like, kind of look down on the pink. Like, that's not something you know where they, they would ever kind be of caught. With some stiff white girls dancing. I'm, I'm that's sorry. what I was going to say, but I didn't want to go deep. But I'm like, hmm. <laughs> what would their club be like? Because I feel like it ain't hitting on nothing. But it's it, not. Anyway, it's not. But they probably be doing all kind of other shit that the pink don't do. So, that you know, that the others do. Um Anywho, so um, that's my thing. I'm like, it was perfect, and it's perfectly Uncle Clifford. Like, that's it's a lot of stuff Uncle Clifford does that it's like, and anyone else, she'd be like, the fuck? But it's like, oh, that's perfect. 
perfectly Uncle Clifford because, like I said, that's what they need. Anything else don't make no sense because the scammers, the money niggas, the drug dealers, they have the real money where they can drop the bottles and pay for the Paradise Room. Them businessmen don't be having that kind of money. So, yes, you have not because you asked not. Uncle Clifford asked Mm -hmm. for what she wanted, and that's what the bank was filled up with, and they make money. So I had no problem with the prayer. I thought it was perfect. Um, Now, I am trying to figure out, (laughs) because everything happens so quick in P-Valley. How did we go from purple do-rag cracks to Uncle Clifford to purple wig, (laughs) the whole seeing the stars ensemble? Because I'm like, how much time has actually passed? Because it takes a little minute to lay a lace and do all that. And do and I don't know if she redid her makeup because the makeup was flawless. But that's the I was like, wait, we've like gone quickly from the club to going out to the stars. So when y'all first saw Murda and Uncle Clifford going down, walking down, what did y'all think was going to happen the first time you saw it? I don't know. I, I was just as surprised as she was. I, I had no idea what was happening. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I thought when they was walking through this woods, but I love that she's questioning where the hell we going in the dark through these woods <laughs> because it is pitch black, mm-hmm. and they got my girly girl unk tracing through the woods this is not what she usually does so i just love all the questions how she's nervous how she wants to know where they're going uh need 22 said on on in the chat she thought it was a trap she didn't know what was going on i would have been because again we haven't seen them together but like a couple of times so i'm like how did you like when he was like come on let's go I feel like, I don't know if I even would have got to where I was walking down into the woods at this night with this dude I've known for two minutes. But, again, this TV and this P-Valley, and everything happens a lot quicker here. But I'm like, you asking a lot of questions while you're on your way down. <laughs> like, it's too late now. <laughs> this question should have been asked before we started walking down to the grass in the dark. Because here, by the time you get to the tree, like you said, don't nobody come back here. That don't well nobody know if something happened and one of these answers to this question is wrong. It's that's it. <laughs> like so, I'm glad it was on the up and up. And my favorite favorite part about this scene is when Lil Murder takes her hand because Tanika pointed this out. I think in the last rewatch, we don't really see these like little um, small physical touch kind of intimacies between them. And that was just so cute, the way that he took her hand Mm -hmm. and started leading her down. That is my absolute favorite part of this thing. But I want to know, how y'all think he got them lights to light up in that car? Okay, wait. First of all, before we get to that, um, Big L and Diamond, how the hell this nigga steal this car out the pink parking lot? They just let him take the car? I know Big L L and Diamond. That part. (laughs) Because I, and, when she came there, she parks right by the door. Like, mm-hmm. she's not, like, across the parking lot. She parks right by that back door. I hope they have cameras. I hope my guesses, but this is this is my guesses. So they might not. But I'm hoping they have cameras in the back because if they got cameras in other parts of the club, I'm with you, Tanika. How he get I'm, the, the worst is security ever, for real, for real. <laughs> 
Murder is a professional criminal. <laughs> this is his <laughs> occupation. Crime is listed in his resume. So whatever he did, that's he he already had the skills. That's how he knew this was gonna be perfect. You know, big he know Big L was in the kitchen burning up the chicken and looking at the strippers. Uh, Diamond is uh, somewhere stalking Keyshawn. You know, he know that camera in the parking lot don't work because he's been in the office already, and he done seen on them <laughs> TVs. <laughs> Ain't no cameras. If y'all leave your car in the pink parking lot, you better take your shit inside with you because it's not guaranteed protection. So he knew what time it was, and I think he found a way to light them lights up through the cigarette lighter. He Or, you know, the steering That's column. Maybe he broke a steering column. <laughs> <laughs> the chat is saying the lights are battery operated. Battery operated. Yeah, that's about to yeah. say. John Tisha and Chunky Polanky say battery operated, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, so y'all learned me something today because I was like, I think because I was like maybe a USB port because you know some cars do still have the power on when, especially some of the older cars when you um, turn it mm-hmm. off or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, right. I was thinking maybe ain't no USB, USB port like in that. that. That's 68 Chevy. Ain't no USB port in there. So, you don't they know got what the cigarette lighter. Inside in there. She could have had somebody not put no it USB up. port in here. She, she still got the CD player in there. She did not. No, ma'am. Oh, I forgot about the CD player. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm all the way wrong. So, we own the date. What did you now think? I know we all love this scene, but. What what did y'all think about when they were actually in the car, how murder how murder was feeling, the stuff he was saying to her? Do you feel like this is where she really started liking him for real? Where she you said where she really started liking him? Where she really cuz I feel like up until like if you my first when you come into this car scene He's murder. He's, you know, all in. But she kind of, you know, with the hesitation going down, I'm not sure if before this moment she was all the way into him. I think, I don't know, that was what I get. I feel like I saw her falling for him in this moment. Hmm. So for me, I feel like I saw that last week. To me, it was something about him with her grandmother that really did it for her. And I think I saw him really fall for her here. To me, it was the opposite of what you're saying. The other, the, the just the way that he was, that he focused on her strength, the way he looked at her when she was saying what she was saying about, um, you know, I I, ha- I choose to be strong right now. I, it, it was just something about that that I felt like he really fell for in listening to that. So I thought it it, it came off to me as the opposite of what, what you're saying. He really fell for her in this car. I think this is a moment where they are both – I don't think we've seen too much of them really – sitting down and talking to each other or just experiencing each other out of trying to, like, quickly, you know, we don't have much time and we don't have much space. They're very relaxed here. And so I think this is just the opportunity. I think they both got to see a deeper side. I definitely think this was more of a moment where Lil' Murda fell deeper 
and love um, with who she is on the inside in that moment because I definitely feel like she was kind of chilling. But I think this is where we get to see more of his softer side. You know, episode 104, you know, he's assaulting the jukebox with her body (laughs) and the date at grandma's house. He's, you know, he's like a child-like person sitting at grandma's feet. This is a moment between the two of them where they both get to just be in season one. And I think um, kind of similar to how 107 is a moment where, I mean, 207 is a moment where they're in, they're away from the judgment, they're away from the eyes, they're away from putting on the personas and get to show their inner self. You know, because I think this is the first really, like, soft romantic gesture we've seen from Lil Murda, so. Yeah, I think Yeah, his... that's what struck me about this scene is the first time we see Little Murder the romantic mm-hmm. because we saw that he's got some feelings, but this is our first key is like, oh, he's a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is the re- really the first time we see that that acts of service love language of his really in the forefront. Like he would he he knew she was stressed and going through it with the club. So he did whatever he had to do to, like, alleviate that for her. I, I don't know. I just love this murder that we get in this car. This is the murder that I don't have to drag. This is the murder that I want to see more of. This is the murder I love. Mm-hmm. Too bad he going to be gone next week and the drag mm-hmm. will commence. Yep. Because... <laughs> <laughs> he was doing the absolute most. And since our family is not calling us, because the phone lines are open, 515-602-9773, I'm going to go ahead and play a family drop so we can actually hear from them since they, you know, refuse to call in. Hey, Pink Posse, it's your girl, Trell, and I'm just stopping by to say that Pink Sunday Radio Show is one of the hottest radio shows out right now, and if you're not already listening, then what are you waiting for? What up, you guys? This is your girl, Kendra, and I'd like to give a shout-out to my girls with Pink Sunday Radio. Love you. Bye. you love P-Valley, tune in every Sunday to Pink Sunday Radio. Thank you for our family members for adding their flair to our drops. That was uh, John Tisha, Kendra, and Tanzania. So we'll give them a little air applause and applause in the chat. Um, We're actually doing some pretty good time here, ladies. All right. So we come back from the stars, and they're in there talking about this, uh, (laughs) the space table at the casino. Um, what do you guys have from them talking about the paint closing and what they are or are not going to do after the doors close? This is what Unc was fighting for, right? Because they really, what are they going to do? They don't know. They're all over the place. So everybody is going to be in trouble if the pink actually closes. And I think this, this really shows that to us. And this is what Unk was fighting so hard. That's why she fights so hard for her girls, because she knows this is what they need. They need the pink just as much as she does. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it really shows that the pink is a staple for these girls and that they have no, they, they're like, what am I going to do? You know, and so um, I thought it was cute, though. I, I would have, uh, I, I can play spades. You know, we know spades is the black folks card game. If you don't know how to play spades, yo, black card is in question. Get to your nearest auntie and them so they can school you, but please don't renege. Um, but I, I thought that was so cute um, on but that little thing. The way black folks do spades, can you imagine that being in a casino? That would be a mess. That would be fucking comedy. <laughs> there would be fights in the casino. They would have to hire extra security and shit. <laughs> People would be fighting okay. over the spade table. They'd be throwing cards down. Oh, my God. A spade Listen. table going to get flipped, honey. Somebody going to flip that table over. Uh, they need a new deck every three games over. from all the car bending, slamming, throwing around. Absolutely. <laughs> and it'd be such a thing because you know how you have the people at the table, but then you have all the spectators, like, talking mm-hmm. shit around. And you don't really have that anywhere at the casino except for, like, roulette or the blackjack table. And even then, they don't be, like, how we would be at the stage table and then the person keeping score and then somebody like the whoever the casino person is keeping score and they do it wrong and now you got them trying to fight the casino person keeping score because they like mm-hmm. no that's not how we play at my house we play bags we don't play bags at my house you can't go board like oh my god that shit would be so right? funny. i think the casino though would be shut down in like two days because <laughs> they would be like oh <laughs> bad idea it would be burned this, i don't know whose idea it was <laughs> That's it. But I got a question, John. When you say play spades, do you mean play spades well or just know what the actual rules are? Because I think that's two different <laughs> levels of blackness. It definitely is. I, um, I'm i a person who I know not to renege. I can pretty much count books, but, like, I'm that person who's definitely that my partner going to be like, hey, I set you up. Why you didn't? And I'm going to be like, look, I don't know. I, I know the fundamentals of how to play the game. So I feel like, you know, because of that, my black card is, you know, still good. However, I'm, I, I feel like if you don't know anything about spades, like if you are reneged, you 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 got to go back to school, and I think you got to go back and train and get you some ECU credits, you know, or something. Because I was taught to play spades when I was like twelve, you know, and getting me ready for the barbecue. So I, I would let a person who know the fundamentals slide. If you know if you know how not to renege, if you could at least get you a good, you know, four books or something. If you could help me. You all good with me, but um, I think some other people will have different opinions. So I think the so oh, chunky for lunky say she don't know. It needed to trail. It's a few. It's a few you. people. It's a few people. In the, <laughs> I wasn't gonna call them out though, but it's a few people in the chat that say I don't know how to play. So that's why I I wanted to get the distinction because I was I was trying to shoot them some bail because maybe they meant they didn't know how to play well but they know the rules but I I don't think that's what they I don't think they know how to play at all. I don't, 
I don't think that's what they were saying, but if they can make potato salad, I'll <laughs> let them slide. <laughs> you know how to make potato salad or, you know, something I that think nature. that's another technicality because there is, you Ooh. know, the ingredients for potato salad, and then you know how to make potato salad. Once again, I think we've got two separate levels of understanding because the ingredients are relatively easy, but everybody potato salad with the exact same ingredients is still going to taste completely different. And I don't know how that happens, but it does. I didn't grow up playing space. I know how to play it, but... My family's from the west side of Chicago. We played Bitwiz. We almost never played space. It was, we played Bitwiz, and then my family in Cali, we played dominoes. I almost mm-hmm. never played space. So I didn't know this was, like, a black people thing until, like, I now, really my got family plays Bitwiz, but I don't. Yeah, I have some family members from the west side that play Bitwiz, but I've never played. So I feel like if you know at least one. And if you could do the electric slide, you okay. <laughs> I think I learned to play spades on the computer. Because growing up, my family definitely played. I think they play like, Tunk or something. And they play poker. Yeah, okay. I play play. One. yeah, they didn't play spades. So I definitely learned that, like, playing by myself on the computer. But I definitely know how to play spades. I have never seen Spades on the computer. I don't think cards I ever played on the computer mm-hmm. was solitaire. They got spades on the computer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I would say that would be a way. Yeah, now solitaire was, you know, I, and you know when they had the one where it would bounce up, like you had the different times, type, and when you got the whatever. It's not books on solitaire. What is it? When you got the, when you lined everything up and then the thing would bounce, the little card deck would bounce up, and then mm-hmm. anyway, that's too much about my the history of my life. But yeah, so I always thought to know, play spades you... with a deck of cards. I mean, play solitary with a deck of cards. So I love the game. Literally having to lay out every card. I learned solitary in it with a deck. Oh, you was a, a real player. You had actual cards. I'm talking about on the computer. You had actual cards, hard cards playing. Am I aging myself? Play... Oh shit! <laughs> a scotch. A scotch. <laughs> Just a little touch. Did y'all play war? Oh, I declare war with the yes. cards. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yes. Mhm. Now the other game they say people like we play like Bitwiz, Tonk, and Space. They say white people play what is it? Rummy? Or no euchre? That's the one. Have y'all ever played euchre? No, I never heard of that. I heard of rummy. I think my family played that. No. I don't know how to play, but euchre. I never heard of that. Me play What's that? Oh, I played Speed. I played Speed, and we played, um, well, this isn't so much mm-hmm. a card game, but we played, Tonk is, um, Rummy's, you guys play Phase 10? Have you guys ever played Phase 10? That's, like, my, like, new game. I have. Rummy is like yeah. Phase 10. It's almost like the exact same game, but that's the closest thing I can say to Rummy. I can't explain Speed. It would be great if Need 22 called in and explained it to us. Um, but I can't right. explain. I haven't played it in so, so long. But since she hasn't called in. Now, we'll Uno is the new thing. game. Kendra said Uno. She keep bringing up Uno, and I will definitely say in my house, you is getting slid on some Uno. 
Um, <laughs> Uno and that, we would get like real crunk with Uno and Go Fish. Like Go Fish was like uh-huh. a knockdown, drag them out. Like it's, oh, yeah, it's like a kids game, but <laughs> like, yeah. It would, we would re- and what's, what's that? Oh, what's that other card? Isn't it a get card game called Bullshit? Isn't that a game? I've heard of it, but I don't know how to play it. I have heard of it, though. I feel like it's like card it game battleship. though? Like, yeah, go okay, fish, right. battleship, like that type of thing. I haven't played... I haven't played cards in a minute, man. We need to have a pink posse card tournament. That's what I said earlier. Right? I was just thinking that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we got to plan that out. I'm going to put that down with, you know, the pickle tasting. Uh, We ain't... We ain't tasting no pickles. Cross that right on out. <laughs> what do you mean? I had that as number one. Pickle tasting one, number two, card tournament. Well, I'm going to be sick yeah. on the pickle All tasting right. day. <laughs> right. Chunky Life said we got to establish those Uno rules because in my house we stack okay. Um, we do all that, the stacks where you could go, uh, four, three, two, one, if you want to, you got five sixes, throw them all down. Wait, what's Uno, four, three, two, one? Play. So like, let's say the color is red and the number is six and I have a red five, four, three, two, one. Oh no. Yeah. You can throw all that down <laughs> or you can go back up six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Sometimes. We do stacks. Um, so, like, if you draw, if you throw down your draw four, then I put my draw four down. The next person got to draw eight, or unless yes. they got to draw four. But, so, Uno say you're not supposed to do that. But but I don't care we what do Uno what we say. Here. How we do stacks, right. <laughs> but it got to match. You can't put a draw two on a draw four. You got to put a draw four on a exactly. draw four, or a draw mm-hmm. two on a draw two. Exactly. If you got five number red definitely fives, have to establish rules because absolutely not to everything y'all just <laughs> <What>? But moving <laughs> on, <laughs> absolutely the fuck not. But let's move on to Modi <laughs> and these other right, right. whose names that we don't know who are at every function. The little chunky guy and the other guy, they have no names. They don't even have names in the closed captions, but they show up with Wally and Murder. And um, so they get there, Diamond, and all of a sudden, Diamond and Wally are friends. Like, what do you call Wally? Drake looking ass nigga. And then he goes to the side. (laughs) And I was like, wait a second. This is quite friendly from the last time we saw y'all at the door. When when y'all go to this? this, So I'm like, what does Diamond know? Because this, it, again, it's only been so long from murder night to this night. I mean, from the Mercedes last dance, attempted last dance to this night. So how do we go from, mm-hmm. I'm going to break your fucking jaw and y'all need to get, y'all see this line to Drake looking ass nigga. You better come in before I change my mind. Wait a minute. Wait a Mississippi minute. When did all this friendly happen? Do you think he, Diamond being friendly, because he know, like, that's Uncle Clifford's man and then her man's friend? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I think. Diamond knows everything but says very little. So he he knows what's mm-hmm. going on. He knew when Unc, 
like we talked about the week that Unc came out there and ushered him right on in the door, that's when Diamond knew. So Diamond knows to let them in. Don't be fighting with them. Yep, Diamond knows. Kendra was like, he knows it's murder night, and murder is with him. Mm, I, I don't, the way that hostility from Diamond, mm, I don't think so. Go ahead, Ja. Well, I do feel like since it's murder night, and this is murder's manager and crew, that Diamond, but I do still feel like there is something deeper in their communication, which I spoke on the week that we did 104. There's always some type of unspoken something going on between Wody and Diamond at these doors. You know, so like you say, Wody throws out a little jokey joke, Diamond responds, but they still kind of eyeballing each other a little bit, you know. But I feel like, look, uh, so, you know, they know where all the buried bodies are, both Diamond and Wody, maybe in separate, you know, whatever, because Wody is worked at the funeral home. But I feel like there's something that's taking place between these two, and I'm hoping that maybe in the future we see them team up on something that we just like, oh, shit, I ain't never seen this coming. This is crazy. I'm sorry. I got excited. I can see see (laughs) Wody and Diamond being friends. Now that you say it, I can Mm -hmm. see – I, I can see it because since that's one of that's Murder's right hand and Diamond is one of Uncle Clifford's right hands, I can see like as they're in the light, Uncle Clifford and Little Murder they in the light. People, their people are going to be around now. Like if they have parties at the house mm-hmm. or yep. events like that, so I can see like in there that like they make it a point to change from Wody and. Diamond having, like, static to, like, they find out they got a bunch of shit in common because, you know, they're both a little weird. So they find out they got a bunch mm-hmm. of shit in common, like, sitting at a party drinking. And it's like, or or they might have, like, some family in common because we don't know shit about either one of their families. <laughs> like, figure yeah. out, is F&G Funeral Home, Wody's family? Where the family at? Is it a daddy? Is it, was it passed down? How is this young kid? in charge of funeral home, so they might got family in common in this little town. I could totally see that being, like, a storyline, them becoming friends. But we got, like, I don't know, like 12 minutes. So yep. <laughs> go. Um, I guess, what did, what did you uh, say, Jada, that one time? I'm going to throw the rest of this out like a bag of cats. Was that what it was? A bag yeah, just of throw, cats? It all, oh, throw it all in a bag like a bag of cats. It's a bunch of, <laughs> like a bag like of cats. Spaghetti noodles at the wall or something. <laughs> Okay, so reach in and pull out murder. <laughs> So we got the Uncle Murder. We got Wody seeing them come up from the thing, then having their conversation. We got uh, what's the boy name Andre uh, Great Value Obama showing up to have his last dance with Haley. We got um, Montavia showing up. We got um, Mercedes and that like Mercedes running into Montavious. And then calling Haley over, so bag of cats. I'm gonna throw it out, and y'all take a cat out. I think that's what's supposed to be happening now. Yeah, just grab one. <laughs> what do you want to start with, y'all? Uh, 
Oh, man. So I always, one of my favorite things, I guess, is the talk between Wody and Murda. Um, I love that question, Tanika, that you asked on the timeline last night because upon my first watch, when he says, and you rolling around in the bushes with a, I was like, I dare you. What? Say something else. What are you about mm-hmm. to say? You know, however, yep. that conversation took a turn, and it was like, oh, this is a, look, dude, I don't know what you want. You got bitches waiting in line for you to find their titties, and you hanging around in the forest with Uncle Clifford. I don't know what that's about. Do your thing, though. You know, if that's what you into, cool. Um, however, don't don't fuck up the money. So in hindsight, I thought that was a brilliant question that you asked um, because now in hindsight, Wody might have been like, you rolling around in the bushes with a strip club owner. <laughs> you, right. you know, like we have no idea where this was actually going, but I loved that we get to see you know, we know Keyshawn knows, and we saw how Murda was actually, I think when we see when Mur- Keyshawn and Murda meet, and she says, I don't know what you're doing right, what you're talking about. Murda kind of like, oh, he takes a breath. You know, he kind of like, oh, that's shocking. And then, but Keyshawn is Uncle Clifford's homie, right? So it's like, all right, cool, you you already know this life. This is, I feel like this is Murda's first um, experience with his very heterosexual masculine charged energy type friend saying if this is what you like this is what the heart wants you can't control that and i'm not judging so i really love this moment between brothers and i think it was played out perfectly because men are like that like we we kind of got a little emotional with the words but i do feel like men are like that they kind of just talk to each other in that manner so uh, it it makes me wonder why Murda had so much aggression here because he he's obviously had a conversation with Wody before because Wody talks about it being a one time thing. So how did the one time thing conversation go, and did it not go mm-hmm. like this? Like I would think he Wody didn't say anything crazy when he he had the one time thing conversation, so. Like, he should know what to expect here from Wody. Um, as far as what Wody was going to say, I feel like Wody was going to say, like, you come strolling out the bushes with a nigga. Like, he, I don't think Wody was going to say anything crazy here about Uncle Clifford. I just, from what we've seen of Wody and then what we can look back in hindsight from Wody, I, I don't think he was going to say anything crazy. That's why I asked the question on Twitter. I think mm-hmm. Wody's issue was just with murder moving sloppy like y'all are, it's supposed to be a secret are you dl or not are are you telling your business or not because everybody can see your business so i mean it's an important night and here you are being sloppy and i had i had no real issues with anything Bodie did or said here i know on the timeline last night a lot of people or a couple of people said the timing was off but he addressed the issue when he seen when he saw it. So I don't think he should have waited until after the performance or after Rome was gone or deal deal with the issue when the issue crops up. 
So I, when I saw, I, I really liked Tanika's question last night too because I, you know, first time of course I was like Ja and everybody else like uh, rolling around the bushes in a what, nigga? Like that was like my thought process. Like finish that statement. What you was gonna say? Like, but so in one of his interviews, Dale Fonz Nicholson talks about um, becoming an ally, and he says, you know, but he did grow up in the South, like in North Carolina where you grow up hearing terms used for the queer community. And there's not, I don't want to say a knee jerk, because that wasn't what he was conveying, but it's definitely, as he's just grown up and explored the world, there's been a lot of paradigm shifting from what he was taught as a child growing up in the South to living in the world, particularly as someone that's in theater, that's around so many different types of people and traveling. Mm. And I, I, Tanika's question made me think back to that because I think that's what we kind of maybe see here is Wody is just like Fonz has grown up in this small city in Mississippi and probably has grown up a certain way with certain mindsets but has grown. And it was, I think it was almost like a, a kind of a regression in that moment but then a realization. Like you rolling around the bushes and, and it probably was going to be something, but it was like, why am I going to go there? I don't have anything against Uncle Clifford. Like, I don't see her in any negative way, so why am I going to go there with this negative statement I'm about to say, especially with my brother, who I also love, who obviously loves mm-hmm. and cares for her. And so it was kind of like there may have been a little all that we're thinking. He may have been going there, but I think it was a self-correction of mm. – there's no reason for me to be given this energy right now. One, I don't have an issue with her. Two, I don't have an issue with my brother loving her. And three, it has nothing to do with the point I'm trying to get across, which is I don't give a fuck what you're doing or who you're doing it with, but you know that other people out here do give a fuck what you're doing and who you're doing it with, and that can affect what we've been working so hard for, especially with what we talked about earlier in the show is we don't know how long they've been working on this, like, but up until all of this with the pink, there wasn't nothing going on. Like, Tanika said, I don't know if this boy is SoundCloud rapper, what he's doing. Like, his shit wasn't nowhere. Like, we could tell by how he reacted to hearing a song play for the first time somewhere other than wherever he, him and Wody recorded Sit On My Lap. So it was like, look, like, I don't care, but you know other people do. We have been waiting too long for this break for you to fuck it up for us now being sloppy. And I think that was the point. So he kind of caught himself like, what I'm about to say is going to make this conversation go a totally different way, and he's not going to hear what I actually have to say about this. And I kind of agree. I I don't know, and maybe this is part of the flexing and the perpetrating and everything else that we've seen from murder because he was doing a bit much for him to be talking to Wody about this because Wody's like – calm he's talking to him he even's like love you can't help it i understand and stuff like that and like I, this is probably like the foreshadowing to what we saw in the vip room because Berta was doing a lot in this little moment to be talking mm-hmm. to basically his brother about something that mm-hmm. his brother is communicating to him that he's quite accepting of 
Yeah, I agree, which is so why I know don't. his brother was accepting? I, I feel like he should have known. If he had because the one-time conversation we don't know what the one-time thing him, conversation yeah. went. I think I, it's true that I think we it could have went either the way. One-time conversation was, but I I think mm-hmm. in this moment, because okay, I can see how in the initial connection, murder is kind of like in that hostile mode. But if I'm on the other side of Wody and everything he said. Wody is making it clear in this conversation he's not tripping. But the whole conversation, murder is like like on go. So I, I agree mm-hmm. that I don't know what that first conversation is, but I think in this I don't think Wody was giving him judgment energy for murder to be given Wody the energy that he was given. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's possible, though, that that first conversation wasn't as pleasant, which is why he would be like, yo, dude, it was just that one time, chill, you know. But maybe as we all, I don't know how everyone, you know, was, but, you know, if you were raised one way and then you learned to walk a different path, murder might have been on go because that last conversation was aggressive. And so he's expecting to defend himself Whereas in this conversation, maybe Wody, after seeing them together, is like, okay, the heart wants what the heart wants versus, you know, making him say, have to have a defense. I'm like, oh, that was just a one time. Yeah, I'm not gay, you know. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I feel like it probably wasn't just based on the fact that we have never really seen Wody be aggressive with murder in any instance is usually the other way around. It's usually murder, you know, getting buck with Wody and Wody having to check him. So I don't know. I just feel like the conversation would not have, have been aggressive on Wody's part. So we got like technically two minutes and I agree with everything. Um, I just think I, I want to hear, I want to see more. I want to actually see whatever that one time was next season, mm-hmm. like a flashback to what that conversation is, because I think it'll give us a lot more um, parameters of their relationship, because Ja is right. It might have been a bad conversation the first time, depending mm-hmm. on when it was. He's been in jail for a couple of years. Um, so if they had the conversation when they were, like, late teens or something like that, I can imagine a southern-raised Wody not, especially if he, like, caught murder in the act, like not like murder told him, but like caught him doing something. And if they've been raised a certain way and the initial reaction may not have been good. So, yeah, I'd like to see that, you know, with the many other flashbacks. But we have like five minutes left, so I'm going to go ahead and close it out. Uh, we missed a few things, but y'all know we're we doing this episode at least one more time before season three. So we'll get to those other things in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am Tia. Uh, Mini is Max on Twitter and Tia Down in the Valley on Instagram. Uh, make sure y- y'all saw we got another segment that's going to be coming out in the next few weeks with our Stump the Host. I already put out a couple of trivia questions to get y'all starting to think of some, but all everything is going to be on our Twitter page first, so make sure that you are uh, subscribed and have your notifications on so that you can know what's happening first with everybody else on Twitter. John, what you got? 
Um, you can find me on Instagram under Ja, which is J-A-A underscore the underscore goddess. I'm on Twitter as Ja the goddess. Um, and make sure you keep your eyes open. Be on the lookout for any bonus uh, content that will be um, put out over the streaming sites and where you get your podcast. Keep your FBI eyes open. Tanika? Uh, y'all know I am at your girl Jiggy on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on there if you haven't already. You can also follow uh, at Pink Sunday Radio on Instagram. Um, if you're looking for those bonus episodes that y'all talked about, you can find that on PinkSundayRadio.com. They usually drop on a Thursday. And while you're over there, if you feel so inclined, you can leave us a five-star review. If you have a little extra time, you can re- leave us a five-star written review. Uh, Tia, you have anything else? Um, as y'all know, we support all of our P-Valley family stuff. We always talked about the queer tees. You can go to our link tree bio. But uh, J. Alphonse Nicholson has a movie coming out. Uh, March 10th, uh, exclusively available in theaters, Southern Gospel. Uh, On his uh, Twitter page and I think his Instagram page, there's a link for the tickets. But also on our Twitter page, there's a post that has a link for the tickets, and it's on our link tree. So you can get those tickets. And Hot Wing King is right now playing at Alliance Theater in Atlanta through um, March 5th. Uh, tickets are available at AllianceTheater.org. Also, when you're on AllianceTheater.org, look, there's some extra, like, uh, before stuff, that before the play um, things, that discussions that Katori Hall is doing. There's some after the play things, so definitely look out for those performances as well because you may be able to come to one of those and meet the creator. I don't know that for sure, but if she's around and you're in some of that stuff and you're pink posse, you may be able to work it out. But that's it for our show today. I'm going to go ahead and close it out, and we'll see y'all next Sunday. Pink Sunday Radio is all about keeping you informed of all things in Katori Hall's universe. With that being said, we Pink Sunday Radio is all about keeping you informed of all things in Katori Hall's universe. With that being said, we have exciting news to share with you, Pink Posse. The Hot Wing King is a 2020 comedy drama play by award-winning playwright Katori Hall. It won a Pulitzer Prize for drama in 2021. The play follows Cordell, his boyfriend, and their friends in Memphis, Tennessee, preparing their culinary entry for the annual Hot Wang Festival. The cast are Nico Annan, Bajorn Dupatti, Miles Alexander Evans, Armand Fields, Jay Jones, and Calvin Thompson. Tickets are available at AllianceTheater.org. The play runs from February 10th through March 5th of 2023. Appreciate y'all for listening to the show. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio by using the link bit.ly slash Pink Sunday. For Apple Podcasts, go to PinkSundayRadio.com. Make sure after listening to the replay, you leave a five-star rating in the review, as well as a subscribe. For Google Podcasts, go to PinkSundayRadio.com slash Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify at PinkSundayRadio.com slash Spotify. Hope to see y'all at the next episode.